In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome everyone to a special mini-sode of the Feelin' Film podcast. I'm Aaron, and today we'll be discussing the multiple Oscar-nominated film Manchester by the Sea. This is a film that deals with grief as realistically as any we've ever seen, and unpacking its layers of emotion will be both exciting and, like watching the movie, a little bit rough. It is also a masterwork in filmmaking, and deserving of its recognition as one of the best films of 2016. So Patrick, this was my second viewing of the film, but I know you were watching it for the first time recently. Would you go ahead and start us off and tell us... How did this one make you feel, man? Sad. Incredibly <laughs> sad. Saw There's that nothing... coming. <laughs> I thought we were doing a romantic comedy. I don't know what the deal was. No. <laughs> I I don't know if there's any one movie that I've seen in the last decade that has made me feel the way that this movie feels from beginning to end. I mean, I felt like there might have been moments of happiness, but for the most part, it was just sad. And I, I just I remember casually sighing at the beginning of like, oh, that's no that's no good. And then slowly my sighs were getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And so but like the third act, I'm like, oh, come on, give me some hope. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the movie experience itself was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the actual experience of the movie. And this is different than other movies that I've walked away from. And one in particular, I can think of the pursuit of happiness where mm-hmm. I felt a little cheated yeah. because the tone of the movie is sad. I mean, you have a down, down on his left person. And I felt like when I walked out of the theater, I sort of got, got cheated out of my money. Like that's not what I paid for. <laughs> I didn't pay for, you know, and, and with this one, I felt as though I, I got my money's worth. Like I got my movie experience that I wanted because I expected it. I expected, I knew what the story was. And so not knowing specifics about it gave the movie experience for me a sense of purity and a sense of real uh, enjoyment in a sense of connecting emotionally to the characters and to the plot. So that, that kind of, I mean, that's the broad stroke, but the short answer is sad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you liked it. Yes. You enjoyed absolutely. it. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So I think that is one of the craziest things about this movie. Um, when I first saw it, it was back in the fall when it was in theaters. And I remember very clearly, this is not a movie that had much press. There was not much. I, I had never seen a trailer for this film. Um, in fact, I only knew about it because I'm in, quote unquote, what you call film circles, you know, of critics and podcasters who were talking this up and those who had seen it at festivals and such had said, Oh my goodness, this is an Oscar contender tender. Uh, and all I, I've, I haven't seen anything by Kenneth Lonergan previous to this. I just knew he was a, an English or British uh, playwright, but it had Casey Affleck in it, who I am incredibly fond of as an actor. I've, I've loved everything he's been in. Um, and just I really enjoy those movies, and I think that he does a great job in them. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just one day stop on the way home from work on a Tuesday 
and check this out while it's in theaters because people are talking about it. And so my first experience was I remember feeling the sim- similar to you with the whole like it's just sad. You know, you have that. It's it's such a great way to describe how it's it starts at the beginning of the movie and it just never really relinquishes that grasp on you. One of uh, our our buddies on a podcast called Real World Theology, Mikey Fissel, I was listening to his episode recently and he described it in a way that I thought was perfect. He said he never burst into tears. He never ugly cried at this movie, but he cried the entire movie. Like he had tears kind of welling in his eyes the entire film. It was, it was like a slow, emotionally heavy burn that never really, other than maybe one moment that, that of course everybody talks about this, this lunch moment, this reunion, um, really doesn't make you just lose it completely. And for me, I had that same experience. I just kind of, I kind of felt that weight on me the first time. And I remember getting up out of the theater when the credits rolled and I just, I looked around for a second (laughs) and I was kind of like, Hmm, I don't really need to process this. I think I'm good. And I just, I just got up and I left. And I don't know if you can recall this or not, but I think I, I think I might've told you I was driving home that night and it was about 20 minutes later. And all of a sudden I burst into tears. (laughs) I don't even, I wasn't, I don't even know what I was thinking about. I just completely lost it. And I started feeling all of the emotion from this movie just exploding inside me. And and it was resonating with, you know, things in my own life that I was comparing to this situation. And it was, it was intense. It was very, very intense. And so I've always thought highly of the film, but I didn't know if I loved it because I kind of hated it. (laughs) You kind of have that relationship where you, you respect it, but you're not sure you ever really want to watch it again. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had that same response and, um, it's one of those movies or one of those movie experiences, uh, viewing experiences that I think I get with shows like this is us and you can relate to this where, Oh yeah. There's just raw reality that is used as a storytelling device and there's nothing, there's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing poignant about it. There, these are just, what we get a sense of is we get a sense of real people dealing with real problems in real ways. Mm-hmm. There's not necessarily a um, a cliche way that a person is handling grief in this movie. And I think there's something appealing about that, but you made a good point in saying, is this something that feels like you can rewatch it and put enjoy it, or at least enjoy the same movie experience that you got the first time around? This is one of those movies that you want to have that same movie experience. I mean, you want to be able to not ugly cry or feel sad, but you want to you want to be honest with the film. You want to be able to say, look, we're still friends. You know, I get what you're saying. I get the story you're telling, and I want to be able to connect with it. And I feel like if I watched this multiple times, I would lose that connectivity. I would rule. I'd, I would lose that that raw, organic sense of you know, virgin viewing that you get from a film like this. And, you know, the same thing to an extent with things like a monster calls, but that would be a movie that I'd want to see again because there are elements of it that I'd want to experience because there's some real hope that comes from it. Even though there's a lot of sadness in it, whereas I think, and it's very fantastical. 
So I think from that standpoint, it feels more approachable on a multiple viewing standpoint. But Manchester feels like one of those where it's it's almost like you're looking into the lives of these half dozen people, and you wanna you wanna keep them in your hearts, but you don't necessarily wanna bother them anymore. You want them to kind of deal with their own stuff, hmm. and you don't wanna be that person that's like, "How's it going? How's it going? You know, you're doing all right, Lee." I mean, you wanna kind of leave it be by the end of the film, and that's kind of how I felt. Uh, watching this is I wanted to say, I don't know if I want to go back to that because I feel like I would taint the experiences that they were giving me, which sounds really, really weird, but that's the power that this film had on me. Yeah. Well, I, I would agree. I was very hesitant to watch it again, even gosh, I don't know what it's been four months now, probably since I've seen it or saw it for the first time, four or five. And I was, I was a little nervous. I didn't know if I was ready emotionally to even embark on this again. And I also wasn't aware. I wasn't, certain of how it was going to react. Like you just said, was I, was it even going to work anymore or was it going to kind of be like one of those? Well, it's not going to be emotional anymore because I know what's, I know what it is. I can tell you for me, it was just as gripping, if not more gripping than the than the first viewing. I think knowing the twists kind of knowing what happens to Lee along the journey and, and knowing that he ultimately ends up with, the, the the smallest sliver of hope and and he i mean he does he he definitely changes from the beginning to the end of this film but this is about the most flat character arc you're ever going to see without it literally being flat i mean there is there's just not a lot of not a lot of curve <laughs> you know going on here um there's a little bit just tiny amount and for me knowing that really made the first kind of third ish of the movie a lot more powerful watching yeah. him interact with Patrick when he, when Patrick was a kid, his, his nephew and mm-hmm. seeing how the film really set us up to understand, look, this guy was a good parent. This guy was a good father. There's a reason that his brother chose him to watch Patrick and, you know, seeing Lee go through things like, you know, in the early parts of the movie, just, learning who he is and about his job, his rashness, his inability to connect with people. He just mm-hmm. wants to push people away, wants to fight in a bar for any excuse, you know, right. those things to me were more important or more impactful this time around. And I actually loved it more. Um, I mean, I adore it. I, I, I really do. I think it is a, a truly masterwork of showing us grief. Um, for me, probably I, I can't think of another movie that deals with this subject in a more raw and real way. And and like you said, this is us is a very good example. It mostly stays out of dramatic, you know, conceits. Sometimes occasionally it, it pushes you and, you know, gives you a little bit of little over over dramatization, but, Mm. um, but this one doesn't, (laughs) it it just doesn't (laughs) ever do that. It feels like, man, this could be me. So, yeah. So do you actually, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Do, can you think of another movie and a monster calls definitely comes to mind, um, recently, but can you think of another one that affected you this much from a, a grief and sadness standpoint? Um, I wish that I can remember the name of it, but it was must've been pretty impactful. Well, I've only seen it once and I wanted to see it again. I'm kidding. Um, it's a movie, uh, and maybe you'll know this. It's a movie by uh, that stars Michael Keaton, and he is a Batman. It's, 
That's it. <laughs> it's his luscious abs. I'm no, trying to give us as much levity in this episode as we possibly can. <laughs> We're going to insert it wherever possible. <laughs> no, he plays a he, pl- he plays a dad who is um, who's who's got a debilitating disease, and so he's videotaping his life before his unborn son uh, mm. comes into being. And I watched that just after my son was born. I think this was probably his with you know within his first year, just after he turned one. And that movie, that movie wrecked me. I'll I'll find it here in a minute while you're talking. Um, but but it wrecked me, man. I mean, there were parts of it where I just because I was just I was right in it. I mean, if I had seen that movie ten years prior, I would have been like, hey, there's Batman talking about you know his life as a parent. That's fun, you know, whatever. But <laughs> When you when you have an, a, a movie that that hits you at a place in your life that is very specific, um, it resonates. It, it leaves this like flashbulb memory of like, man, I remember exactly how I was feeling and exactly what kind of experience I was dealing with, and what a reminder uh, that was. You know, when you watch a film, and and this this particular film did that, the one with Michael Keaton, uh, but to a lesser extent. Uh, Manchester did that for me as well. I began to kind of reconnect with moments of of real grief, moments of regret, moments where I had to both ask and give forgiveness and make amends with friendships. And it reminded me of moments where those friendships never actually uh, mended themselves. And so uh, Manchester has this power, like this other movie, that uh, to be able to allow you to really connect because we all deal with this. This isn't something that's that's specific to a specific a uh, culture or religion or whatever. This is you know grief is a universal thing, yeah. and all of us deal with it. Whether it's the loss of a parent or the loss of a child or um, the loss know, of a relationship. Yeah, I mean we all experience that kind of loss, and even though we have a specific life that we're seeing on screen, I don't know that anybody who watches this film wouldn't connect. And if they did, they have no soul. So I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I think so too. And I think, um, I think you made a point that I, I really wanted us to hit home, which is it, just the fact that it, you don't, everybody connects to this because you, you don't have to have to be blunt and, and we are going to spoil the film here. I should go ahead and throw that out there now before we go any further, because uh, we are going to talk honestly and openly about everything that happens and, so if you haven't seen it, turn away, come back when you have. That being said, pause, 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 pause. Okay, are you gone? You're gone. Okay. Now that you're gone, you who have not seen the film, uh, you know, you don't have you ha- you don't have to have burned your house down with your children inside it. Which it, it even hurts me to say that, Patrick, to be honest with you. Like it it wells emotion up in me to even talk about it. Can I just say that when I watched that moment, there the blood like left my head. Mm-hmm. I felt cold. I, yeah. I actually felt cold. I was like, what just happened here? I mean, I didn't even see it coming and no. I, that may have been that I'm just dumb, but I no. did not even see that coming. I, I didn't and either. I just, uh, uh, no, no. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I could not breathe. Like I was suffocating because of that moment. Oh gosh, it was awful. It, it was, it was very awful. And you know, even watching it the second time around, it was very, I don't know. I don't know what the, like, I, I didn't feel like it was coming. You know, it was, it was more painful too, because seeing the, just 
everyday way that he and Randy were interacting that night. You know, he's got all his boys over and she comes down and she's like, listen, you know, get the F out of the house. Like I'm going to, I need to go to bed, like get them out now. And yeah. she walks away and he turns to them and he's like, yeah, she can't tell me what to do. Like, it's so realistic. That's exactly how a guy would react. Like, yes, honey. <laughs> and then she can't tell me what to do. And then she walks back in and she's like, I said, get him out now. And then he's like, okay, 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 guys. And they're like, we get it. Like the wife said, mom said, go home. So there's, there's this great building of realism and, and, uh, uh organicness to the characters. Right. Um, so anyway, what I was getting at though is that you know you don't have to have gone through this exact experience for it to resonate because while I as a parent can definitely say, oh my gosh, I can't even fathom this happening, you know I can r- compare it to losing my mom or a relationship, um, you know having mourning the loss of a marriage that, that you have to you have to get over. Eventually, and it, it can take some time, you know, just like it takes Lee time. You know, you can go through these stages of grief that is the buzzword. That's a real thing where you push people away and you don't want to let people in. Um, and so for me, anyway, I, I can't think of another film that has impacted me emotionally this much of the movie, like from start to finish as Manchester. So for me, it is it is truly kind of a standalone in that type of film. Did you were you able to find the one with Michael Keaton? Yeah, it's called My Life. It stars him and Nicole Kidman, Bradley Whitford's in it, uh, but it's I think 1993 was when it came out. So it might be one that's worth the uh, hashtag feel this film, shameless plug, you know, in the future if we uh, <laughs> if we put it up there. But it's really good. One that surprised me. It's called My Life. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have to, we'll have to remember that. I'll have to check that out in like six or seven months when I'm ready for – I'm hoping, to be honest with you, there has been – 2016 was – just a a year full of grief in films. Like there was no doubt, dude, it was everywhere. And I'm hoping that 2017 is a relief from that. I mean, I don't mind it. And I, and I think it's important. And I think yeah. these films can help us process and, and relate and, and say, okay, I get it. You know, it's okay. This is, this is healthy for me to see that it is a natural thing that I'm feeling, mm. but that it is also something that I, I need to address. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a good thing, but yeah, the, so much of it, like I'm, I'm ready for a year full of like comedies, you know? Well, yeah. And you know, to, to continue our tradition of dropping a La La Land reference, I think we need more of those movies to balance that stuff out because not to get into La La Land, even though we could, but you have these two equal opposite movies doing totally different things, but they're doing it for almost the same reason to get an evocative emotional response. One for a, optimistic, hopeful life can be really great. And then there's La La Land. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then there's, and then there's Manchester, which is more of a boots on the ground, you know, gritty. This is what real life's about. And what, what I really dug about this movie as a whole was that I don't feel like it completely resolved. I, I really enjoy films that don't give us that bow because that's not how life works. Even in the grieving process, when you get to acceptance, acceptance doesn't necessarily mean happiness. Acceptance means just that, acceptance. You either accept the life you give or you live or you, or you have or you accept that you're going to change it or, or whatever. And I, and I feel like the movie, I don't know, I think the movie sort of taught us that, that life isn't a bow 
uh, present that's wrapped up. Life is just a series of events that teach us how to deal with life. And the ambiguity of that, I think there's something very uh, beautifully messy about it <laughs> because of the fact that that's how our lives out are. I don't, I don't know of a lot of people who have said, you know what, I was in the lowest point of my life and all of a sudden I came out of it and I was a better person and then that was it. It was usually like that and then, and then a couple of months later I was kind of back in that funk again or a couple of years later or I continue to battle that kind of stuff. And I think for a, for a character um, like, like him, um, like Lee, I connect with that because when I battle depression, that's what I do is I go through these periods of, of ups and downs and say, life's not good right now. Life sucks. And then there are other times when it's like, life's pretty good. Life's real good. But I recognize the reality of that. And I know that there are going to be times when this happens and there are going to be times when that happens. And I just have to be the, do I accept it? Can I, can I really deal with that? And that's the, that's the thing that I, I find both challenging and, and kind of refreshing because that's real life to me. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I've, you know, I've had my own bouts of depression in my life as well. And I, I feel very similar to you that, you know, when you're in it, when you're in it, when you're in that, it, it is truly a dark place, you know, and that's, and that's one of the reasons why there's, there's like a, I, I can't think of the word. What, what would a, what would four be if three is a trifecta? Cause, um, I was trying to think of a cool word, you know, like I, I want to say I have the trifecta of powerful scenes, but I really have four. A, a, a tribe plus <laughs> a, a, a quartet quartet. I have a quartet duh, of, uh, of scenes that really well, hit be me. a trio. But yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, <laughs> and one of Sorry. them is the moment after the fire when Lee is in the police station, he's going through this, you know, conversation with the cops, just giving him information. He's like, yeah, there was alcohol. We smoked some weed. Yeah. There was a little bit of cocaine. And it's like, nobody cares at that point that there's cocaine. Like that is, that is such a, like it, it, it is not even registering at this moment because of what has taken place. And he goes through this and he's just, he, his head's down and, and he's very clearly in that place, right? That depression, that, that heaviness, that kind of dark cloud, that can come over us and really it affects our senses. It affects our ability to see correctly and hear correctly and feel correctly or, or accurately what's around us. And as he's leaving, you know, he reaches and he goes for the gun and it <laughs> dude, as someone I've, I've never, I've never like gotten to that point in my life, but I have been at a place where I had thoughts of what would it be like? What would, what would, what would happen? I remember, I remember thinking to myself, what would happen if I had jumped out of this window and three stories below, would I, would I die or would I just end up maimed? And that would really suck, you know, like, but when you start having those, you don't control that. You can't just flip a switch. Right. And, and Lee can't just flip a switch and go, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill myself. I've got something to live for. He, he, in that moment, there is literally no reason for him to go on. And I, I felt that so strongly and it, it hurts because there are so many people out there that go through things that get to this point and you don't know how to handle that. And, uh, 
Um, luckily he makes it through it. And I think one of the, the great things that it shows us is how his brother kind of maintains that relationship with him. You know, his brother, we, we mm-hmm. see these things through flashbacks, his brother coming to Boston to help him set up his apartment, really trying to push him to make room for somebody to come visit. But at the same time, allowing Lee to grieve and allowing him right. to be kind of a push pushing back from, from that, uh, assistance. Mm-hmm. But um, the depression, sorry, the, the feeling of that helplessness is, is so strong in this because it's something that I think we all can relate to. And it doesn't have to be something that lasts you know, seven or eight years in us like it does in Lee in the movie. This can last, like you said, it can be for a season, for a two or three month season. And then you kind of can swing and come out of that. And the, the other thing that I really see about this is it the you don't, we don't get multiple chances at life. You know what I mean? Like sometimes things are going to happen in our lives that we don't control. Lee's house burned down. His children died. His wife leaves him. He can't rewind the tape and start it over again. You literally have a finite number of days, a finite number of hours and every single minute that passes. And this is going to sound somewhat, you know, morbid, but, Every second that we're talking, we are one second closer to potentially not being on this earth. And so it that's one thing I felt very strongly in the film was how long am I going to allow myself to live in these seasons when I only have so much time to then right. live out of it once I do come come through? Yeah, I think that Lee's a great character study in someone who I don't know that he ever it's it's interesting you i'm going to use the one of the last scenes of the movie i think well it's two it's two scenes one is the scene with him and patrick at the dinner table and he's telling him kind of here's what's happening i'm signing the papers over uh you're going to be adopted um and you couple that with the very last scene that i think it's the very last scene where they're walking up the hill and Patrick's throwing the ball to him. And it's just after he's mentioned, you know, maybe I'll get a two bedroom apartment uh, or, you know, I've got an apartment or I've got one they're giving to me, but I want to get two bedrooms. And he goes, why? I said, well, you know, in case you want to come visit or someone wants to come visit. And I don't know if he, I don't know if Patrick says, why would I want to do that or something? But it was sort of an ambiguous response. And, and, and Lee goes, or it could just be a place where I, you know, put put all of my all my stuff. You know, you can say stuff, obviously. But yeah, I think that you know when you when you look at that scene, and you couple that with, um, gosh, that the lunch, <laughs> the lunch invitation, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, what I see is someone who has, I think, either just accepted that his life is not going to be great. He's accepted that his life is going to be better, but it's never going to be what he wanted it to be. Like you see all the scenes with him and his wife and his three kids and how much he loves all of them. And at the end, there's, there's, there's not really a lot of that. There's a different kind of, you can call it happiness, but I think it's, again, I think it's just more of acceptance. I think it's him saying, look, these are the cards that I've been dealt. I'm going to do what I can with them. I'm not expecting any more than this. And I honestly believe that there's a, there's a, 
part of him that's like, you know, maybe Patrick never will come visit. You know, I'll leave the door open for him, but I'm expecting that he's not going to as much as I'm expecting him to. I, you know, I may be in the minority there. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that that's, uh, am I, am I, am I hitting the wrong nose or did you see something different from that? No, no, I think, um, I think what I, what I read into the ending is that Lee has reached a place where he's willing to entertain the thought of letting someone in a little bit. <laughs> Okay. And I think that's what's really hard for some people when they watch this movie is like you were saying, it doesn't wrap it up with a bow, but man, it doesn't even put like a name tag on it. Like it, it mm-hmm. is, it's like ripped wrapping paper. It goes from not wrapped to like ripped wrapping paper, you know, like it's such a minuscule amount of growth that we see. That's true. But we see something, we see enough to know that that Lee has come to the point where he is willing to think about it. And I guess for me, what I, what I get out of that is when he says, you know, maybe I'll get that second, second room or whatever, second bedroom, second bed space. He's simply, he's not, he's not ready to have Patrick come live with them. And he's not ready to necessarily like let somebody into his life and, and dump everything and just be better. He's, it's a step, man. I feel like, I feel like Lee takes a step. Like he has been standing still for years and he just finally takes one step. And for, and we just, we're not used to seeing that in our stories. We're not Mm -hmm. used to seeing a story where a man only goes one step. You know what I mean? And, um, and so that's what I see out of it. I think, I mean, I think he loves Patrick and I think that that, that's very clearly shown. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I really appreciate the way that it's presented to us in mm-hmm. this film. Um, there's, there's quite a few moments actually with Patrick where, you know, Lee is, <laughs> he, the one that comes to mind the most that I really love is kind of right at the beginning when he first picks Patrick up and he tells him about his dad and they go see his dad and they go back to the house and Patrick's like, Hey, can I have some friends over? Hey, can we get some pizza? And then, Hey, can Sylvie spend the night? And when he, <laughs> and when he says that, Lee's like, why are you asking me? And he's like, well, dad always let her. And he's like, all right. And then he, he goes, and then he kind of have this like awkward moment about like whether or not he's going to have sex with her. And Lee's like, am I supposed to tell you to wear a condom? <laughs> he's like, he doesn't, know, he doesn't know what to do, but he, he's trying to connect to Patrick. He wants to, he wants to do what's right by the kid in his mind. Um, and, and kind of offer support where he can. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to me because we have this, I know I'm kind of jumping and tangenting here, but the, one of the big things that resonates with me is the idea of all the people in this movie that try to fix Lee or help Lee. I personally, Patrick am a fixer. Um, mm-hmm. some people don't like that actually about me. It's, it's been problems at times where I just want to fix things. You, 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 you come to me, you tell me your problems and I'm like, okay, Step A, B, C, D, E, we've, we'll fix it. Mm. Sometimes you just need to listen or just kind of be present. Much like Lee is later in the film with Patrick where he's mm. literally just present. He like actually kicks the door down and then he's just like, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to be quiet. And then Patrick eventually falls asleep. Dude, that scene breaks my heart um, from a kind of a happy point 
of standpoint because I, I feel like, man, that's that's what kind of we have to do. We can't always fix things with our words or our actions for other people. Um, but it's it's interesting because even though Lee is rejecting it constantly from others, he's trying to do the same thing for Patrick in the best way he can. Yeah. And you mentioned that, that relationship and how beautiful it is between Patrick and Lee, both seen in the flashback sequences. Like the opening scene was just beautiful. Yeah. You know, it established this wonderful relationship with them. And I think that what this movie does, one of the things that the movie does, it does a lot of things, obviously, is the fact that um, Patrick becomes the constant in Lee's life, or he is the constant in Lee's life. I'd like to assume that that Lee stays in touch with Patrick throughout these sequences that we don't see as he's growing up. And, I mean, maybe something in the film that I missed, you know, indicated otherwise. But to me... I see a real need that these two have for each other. And as their relationship grows and changes, we see that more apparently. And uh, there's a there's a great what I call turning point in the film. And it's it's a it's it begins with the scene where they're looking at Joe's guns. Mm-hmm. And for most of the movie They've been talking about getting this motor. He says, are you, and, are you thinking about which one you're going to shoot me with? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which, yeah, the, the comedy is just, it's golden. so dry. It's, it's dry comedy that is strictly in the dialogue and it's yeah. never a focal point and it's never highlighted or made. Nobody ever reacts to it in a way that you right. go, that's supposed to be comedy. It's mm-hmm. just like everyday sarcasm and wit that's built into the script. I, I love this. The script is amazing. The script is phenomenal. It really is. So it go really ahead, is. go ahead. Gun scene. But there's the, that, that, that gun scene where, he, where Lee says, Hey, we could sell these and get a motor. And you see this expression on Patrick's face. Like, yeah, that, that'd be a great idea. And then the music shifts to a more optimistic sound, like a more optimistic uh, theme. The weather changes, you know, they're moving into spring Things are getting warmer and even Patrick finally getting to have sex because, you know, that's been one of the visual jokes is that whatever with Sylvie. But I think that with their relationship, I think that was kind of a kind of an arc in and of itself that 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 montage of them kind of growing together because the only thing they had at that point was Joe. Like Joe was their connection to each other, you know, his brother, Patrick's dad. And they had that relationship through him. He was gone. He's gone now. And they, for for most of the movie, they've been trying to figure out, you know, maybe not intentionally, but unintentionally trying to help each other. You know, there's, well, I think one of your other scenes was the uh, the, the meat in the freezer. That was oh, another one. Dude, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wrecks just be- me. Just before, just before the bedroom scene. Mm-hmm. I, I think in some ways... Um, the the scene at the dinner table when when Lee is talking about basically relinquishing his guardianship and he says that um, oh what is it that he says specifically he goes uh, I can't beat it I can't beat it I'm sorry mm-hmm. you know what we I think what we see are t- those two moments when you put them together show vulnerability for Patrick to Lee. And then that last moment for Lee to Patrick. And I think that sort of 
wraps up what their relationship is now is it's a relationship of trust. It's a relationship of comfortable vulnerability with one another. Mm -hmm. And so it's what makes that last scene just really poignant because I think the undertone is that Patrick's going to come visit and welcome, welcome him. Yeah, of course. But you're right. It's just a small step because I mean, even our relationship, yours and mine, and like relationships like with me and my wife and, and other friendships and relationships that we have, they're going to let us down at some point. And even though I have best friends and even though I have a, a wife that I love and know that those people are going to let me down, but they still remain constants to me because, and I think that that's a sign of a real solid relationship is the fact that people can be vulnerable with one another because it's comforting. It's very, very, uh, not just appealing, but very, consoling and i think it helps us get through those grieving periods and those periods of depression not because so people can just say me too but so people can just say i'm here you know yeah. and that there's some power in that and i think that lee and patrick are that for each other i wholeheartedly agree with that and i think that you know they also have that connection of they've both lost someone they've lost a family member lee's lost his three kids patrick's lost his dad I mean, this is not something Patrick goes through this film, man, with the first goodness gracious. I don't know how long it takes for him to actually have emotion. Maybe it is that actual meat. Maybe that's why the meat scene. I think it is the meat scene. And that's that's part of why it's so powerful to me is he puts on this facade. He he is Lee. You know, he tries to live Mm -hmm. it out in a different way. Maybe not anger. He doesn't lash out in anger like Lee, but he tries to pretend it doesn't exist and like it doesn't hurt him and it doesn't matter. And he's just going to go on with his everyday life and go through the motions and go through having the girlfriend and trying to have sex with her and, you know, hanging out with his friends and being in a band, like nothing has changed. He's trying to, to pretend that nothing is, is different. And then it's that meat in the freezer scene where we, you know, we, that's exactly what happens in real life. It manifest that those moments manifest themselves in a completely unexpected way like it's not about the meat in the freezer nobody thinks that but -hmm. just his breakdown in that moment is so painful and um anyway i one of the things that you were saying about there there during that time that i wanted us to touch on um was the complexity of forgiveness and being able to forgive those who've caused you pain and also forgiving yourself for the pain you've caused others Um, And I want to tie this into the scene, which I call the scene that is the destroyer of souls, um, (laughs) because there's a reason there's a reason this scene is mentioned so much. The lunch scene, because things have built up to this point and it's gosh, it's just so real, so real. Um, The way that Michelle Williams just says you want to have lunch and, and Lee kind of looking away, unable to process. This is just like, no, no, nope, nope. And, um, and she's really trying to break through and she's trying to, she's trying to forgive him. Like she's trying to express that she has forgiven him. And the only reason he can't accept that is because he can't forgive himself, you know? And, and so he has to reject her and reject her and reject her because accepting her forgiveness would mean that he needs to, be able to let himself off the hook mm-hmm. responsibility wise. And, Ooh, sorry. Um, uh, you know, the moment that gets me, I think the most in this whole 
thing is toward the end and she's starting to lose it and he's just trying to push her off and push her off and she kind of is choking on her tears and she just says i love you and mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um you know it's hard because it's like you realize these are two people that never stopped loving each other mm-hmm. it, that's not why they're not together they're separated because a tragedy came between them and they couldn't get past that it had nothing to mm-hmm. do with how they feel about each other and so um I feel like that's something that, that we all experience in various ways, obviously not the same way. Um, but being able to forgive someone who can't forgive themselves is a great step to helping them get to the point where they can do so. And I think that this moment with Randy was kind of the catalyst that worked with his relationship with Patrick to get him to the point we see at the end of the movie where he's able to take that one step. That's interesting that you say that because what we expect in that conversation is for their relationship to resolve. Everybody, everybody expects that Hollywood. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's what I think is the beauty of it is that I actually put a note down as I was, as I was watching it, a mental note. I said, this scene is the ultimate example of forgiveness. And then as the scene resolved, I said in parentheses, maybe (laughs) because that's awesome. Clearly for her, for Randy, I think she released that and she kind of let go of that. And that's what we expect. But what we expect from, from him is for him to respond like, okay, okay. And he's like, no, no, no. No, I've got to, I've got to go. And I love that the growth that he experiences actually occurs in his relationship with Patrick because that's the one that he's, again, been invested in this whole time. Um, I'd like to believe that his connection with Patrick has been, you know, somewhat constant, even throughout, you know, when he was separated from his wife or divorced from his wife. But the when you, when you see a scene like that and you expect one thing and you get another, you almost feel cheated. But then that, I think, I think, you know, the director knew that and he was like, no, it was while it, you want it to be about them because that's who's on the poster. It was never about them. It was really about him and to a lesser extent, Patrick. And that's kind of the curveball that I felt was amplified in that scene. You know, that's, that's, you know, we, we expected one thing, we got another, but we really got told this is not what this story is about. It's not about them getting resolution. It might be about her partially, but it's not about both of them getting resolution with each other. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's right. And I, you know, I, I man, I don't know. I feel like, I, I feel like <laughs> I want to bring up a quote that I read. Um, and I, I can't claim this. I'm going to read it verbatim because it's it's better verbatim instead of trying to paraphrase it and claim it. Um, I don't remember where I pulled it from, to be honest. I think it might have been in a, a review on like Roger Ebert, Ebert's website. Um, but I kind of want to end with this because this is the wrap-up idea that, for me, puts the movie in a box, if, if it can be put in a box. Uh, it, anyway, this quote is, Maybe by contemplating the little of their journey that we've witnessed, we might gain some inspiration on how to continue our own journey of life and learn how to accept and be open to love, mercy, forgiveness, and redemption. 
And to me, that is where the hope lies here, not only for Lee, but for viewers of the movie, is that, again, it's we're open, we're taking a step. Maybe we are one step closer. Maybe somebody who is in Lee's position, battling depression, fighting off people's around loved ones' attempts to, to connect to them and help them, unable to self or to forgive themselves and, and being, you know, self-deprecating in the process. Maybe somebody who's watching this movie sees this and goes, okay, I can take, I can take one step. I, I can't, I can't do it all. I can't go have lunch, but I can take one step and goodness gracious. <laughs> um, Ooh. And that's, that's kind of where the hope lies for me in this film and, and what ultimately makes it worth it. I don't think I'd be able to feel the way I feel about it so strongly in a positive way if it didn't leave me with that ultimate uh, ending, I guess, is where I'm going. Yeah. With. Okay. That's good stuff. I I love that quote and um, because there's hope in that. Mm-hmm. There's resolution in some part. But I think it begins with acceptance. I mean, I think this is a quote yeah. that fits right at the tail end of the grieving process of acceptance. Because it just takes that much more work to to get that place of of love and mercy and forgiveness and redemption. Yeah, for sure. Well, maybe we will uh, talk some more about it here in a little bit. But uh, for now, I think that's all we got uh, for the time being for this mini-sode. Um, I guess, Patrick, where can people connect with you further? Um, you got anything you want to mention here at the end? Yeah, um, I want to be happy again. So please talk to me. I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. You can find me at both of those places along with Instagram if you want to send me a happy picture to say this one's for you, Patch. Uh, You can also find all of our thoughts in audio form on our website at www.feelandfilm.com. We've just migrated over to a new server. So if you can't find it, put in that HTTP colon forward slash forward slash before that and you should be able to to find us there you go so uh just a couple of things coming up we got the feelers choice awards coming up on sunday night to coincide with the oscars i'm very excited to reveal the uh, the winners there were a lot of close votes and uh, a couple of landslides here and there uh, some real surprises some not so surprises but we're really excited to to roll those out during the Oscars. And then on Monday, we'll get to see, um, we'll get to hear and, and talk about the Oscars at, in a reaction episode on Monday. So that'll actually roll out on Tuesday, if I'm, if I'm correct. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a day behind our normal, normal release schedule because we're right. going to have that reaction. Yeah, so um, I know that you're excited about talking about the Oscars and we haven't even seen them yet. I'm excited too, and hopefully there will be a ton to talk about. I'm pretty sure there will be. I'm mostly excited. I'm excited now. Um, this could, this honestly, folks, our, our Oscar reaction episode could go one of two ways real quickly, um, depending on what takes place. So uh, should the Academy do the right thing? We will, uh, we will have a very good episode. Should the Academy do the wrong thing? We shall see. Um, but yeah, it, it, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to talking about everything we see, which I'm sure there's going to be some surprises to, to be wowed about and some speeches to discuss. And we'll also talk about our Feeler's Choice Awards and how those turned out as well. It's going to be a fun episode. So hit that subscribe button 
on your podcast catcher. Make sure you don't miss that one uh, coming next week. Uh, Patrick, if you, if uh, Patrick, <laughs> I was going to tell you where to find me. You know where to find me. I know. Listeners, right if you want to talk to me and cheer me up, which I would gladly welcome, uh, you can find me anywhere on social media at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. One other quick note we want to mention is that we just launched a new project. Uh, we launched ourselves on Patreon. Patreon is a website where creators like us can offer you bonus content and rewards in order for you to, not in order for you to, but in response to your generous support of the podcast. So as you know, podcasts do take money to run. They take time and effort and a lot of our free time uh, as well, uh, as well as money. So you can come and donate uh, to the show per month. And there's some awesome rewards there like bonus, bonus episodes, uh, stickers, uh, the ability to help us pick an episode every month, which is pretty cool. Uh, and stuff like that. So go check it out. Go to patreon.com slash feeling film. Check out the reward tiers and see if something works for you. Most of the tiers are $5 or less, which means you can skip one latte a month. You can help us meet our goals, help us continue to grow and expand, and also get access to awesome bonus content like the episode we're about to record after this, which I don't think we quite got everything in, Patrick. So let's keep talking about this one a little bit longer, and we'll throw that in the bonus content. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, until next time, folks, thank you so much for listening. We love having you here. It means the world to us. Stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.